Welcome everyone to As For Me and My House. Thanks for joining us in your homes and around your tables as we dive into our study in Philippians, which we have entitled, Finding Joy in Every Season. The Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks, he once said that example is the most powerful rhetoric. Example, in other words, is the most powerful sermon preached. Now, if you're a parent, I think we know this to be true, that no matter what is spoken, the child will copy the actions of the parent, right? Good or bad. Mm -hmm. Why do we need example? Simply because Christian character is as much caught as taught. Isn't that true, Lauren? Mm -hmm. In this great chapter of Philippians chapter 2, this has all been about humble servanthood. And we have been receiving four pictures of this being fleshed out in real life. We've been getting four living examples. We've seen two so far. The first was Jesus, who, who humbled himself to death on a cross, thinking of others, not of himself. And then next we saw Paul, who lived out his life to be poured out for others. And today, everyone, right, we're going to see two more godly examples. And we need these examples, don't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need examples because isn't it the godly examples in our own lives that the Lord has used to spur us on to live for Christ? And is it not also the authentic Christian life that the world needs to see? You know, there is a a term that was uh, coined by the German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, called cheap grace. And it is the wrong belief that in the church, if you've received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, then, you know, you can do whatever you want, more or less. And, and, And that, again, is not true. But in doing so, Uh, this idea of cheap grace, it it gives not only Christians a bad name, but also gives Christ a bad name in the world. And so it is vital for us to see and to follow and to live out authentic Christianity in normal life. Definitely. Yeah, it's so important. I remember uh, a girls group from Vancouver, Washington, we were reading some verse from Ephesians on what Christians are called to. And it had to do Uh, with not having a hint of sexual immorality or greed or coarse joking. And one of the girls blurts out, seriously, are we seriously called to this? That sounds impossible. And that's just what we might think when we are reading these things until we see it lived out. We need to see them lived out. We need example and we need living illustrations. And what's great about our text today, hey Lauren, is that we see two ordinary men, two ordinary people. It's Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so let's look at them and see what we can learn about genuine Christian life um, living out in authenticity. Um, Two ordinary heroes, you could say. Uh, An ordinary pair, but because of God's work in them, they they are a priceless pair. That's the, the title of our study today, a priceless pair. They're priceless to Paul and to the cause of Christ. I think we'll see that today. And so this brings us first to Timothy. And we begin in verse 19. Paul, who is imprisoned in Rome, writes to the Philippians and he says, he says here, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I may be cheered by news of you. And what this tells us is that um, in that moment, Timothy was with Paul and Paul was in prison. Now, Timothy wasn't in prison with Paul, but he was there with him in Rome. And Paul was hoping to send Timothy this long uh, journey of 800 miles back to Philippi. But it says hoping. So, so this wasn't going to happen right away. And we don't know for sure, but perhaps Paul was waiting to send Timothy, uh, first of all, to see what would happen with his own trial or condition in, in prison. Or maybe, maybe you know, he needed Timothy to assist him with one or two more practical matters. 
We're not sure of the reason for that delay, but we do know the reason he wanted to send him to Philippi. Yeah, we see Paul's desire to send Timothy was to see how the church is doing, to bring back news to Paul. And just note the positive outlook. He says that I may be cheered by news of you. So he expects and hopes that the Philippians are living out their faith and that he will be cheered about the news about them. So he doesn't expect the worst. He expects the best. He is confident that they will be living out their faith. And I don't think he could say that about every church that he ministered to, but he can definitely say this about the Philippians. And what we see here too, right, is that there's... um, uh, this, this first characteristic of Timothy emerges, and that, that is that he is long-lasting. Mm. And this is an application for us, too. You see, Paul is in Rome, uh, in prison again, right, in prison. And, and, and just note that Timothy has not left him. It, it, it was not probably popular to be associated with Paul, this man in chains. But Timothy is there with him in tough times. When others left, Timothy lasted. And... Uh, Let this be uh, an exhortation to us as well, that we too need to be long-lasting with our church leaders, especially as they are doing their best to serve the Lord. Timothy was at Paul's side, even in the lowest valleys. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 20, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Uh, No one like him. Talk about high praise. Um, Paul had other people engage with him in ministry, but none like Timothy. Timothy was a rare jewel, Mm. a one of a kind in a class by himself. Yeah, I love that word, uh, no one like him. It's this this word that means kindred spirit. It's the only time that it's used in the New Testament. It's this rare word for a rare servant. It means someone of equal soul. So so they are one soul, they are like-minded, they have one heart and one spirit. And Paul's saying that he, he thinks like I think, he acts like I act. We're equally yoked. Timothy's heart beats like mine. Uh, and, and he shares Paul's outlook. He shares his passions. And it just made me assess, do, do we know people like this? Do I know people like this? A kindred spirit over the things of God. A love for Christ and his kingdom and his mission. You know, what a gift it is when we can have a friendship like that. There's really no greater friendship And if we don't have that, we should pray for that. It's an encouragement for our souls. You know, this this is the goal of discipleship, is to reproduce ourselves. That's what Paul has done in Timothy. Timothy is his carbon copy, his protege. Scripture says that a disciple, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher, and Timothy most definitely was. And we are all likewise called to disciple and to be discipled by others. And we all want to be in a place where we can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, so again, Timothy is like-hearted with Paul. And before that, he was, uh, we saw these long-lasting. And then we uh, see that Paul adds this in verse 20, uh, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And this is now getting to this uh, picture that, that uh, Timothy is large-hearted, hmm. uh, genuinely concerned for your welfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's genuinely concerned. That's, that word means anxious for our welfare. It's the same word used in chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. You know, I know people like this that care so deeply for those around them, uh, so much so that they are willing to fast and pray for them. They feel deeply. They care for the spiritual well-being of others. And if someone is an heir, it it hurts their heart. It's a burden. These Christians are, are a gift from God. They don't just say that they will pray for you. You know that they will. And our call... Uh, 
when we have this concern and burden and anxiety on our heart for others is to cast those anxieties on the Lord and to use them to fuel our prayer for others. Yeah, Timothy's a rare gem because Paul even contrasts this in verse 21. He says, for they, speaking of others, Hmm. for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So not everyone is like Timothy. And um, we've seen in our previous studies that others were serving the Lord, even out of envy and rivalry, Uh, but not Timothy. Timothy was not seeking his own interest, not his own reputation. He was thinking of Christ's purposes and the welfare of others. Hmm. Uh, He really is a living illustration of Philippians 2.4, where it says, do not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Yeah, verse 21 was a powerful verse for me this week. Uh, They all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. This verse was a challenge for me uh, to assess, am I seeking my own interests or am I seeking Christ's? What would Christ want me to focus on for this day? He would want me to live as a missionary where I am. He would want me to pray for those he has placed in my life. You know, I've been convicted recently about my heart for the lost. In my own life, I have seen my care for the lost is like a, a gauge of how close I am to the Lord. The closer to the Lord I am, the more my heart burns to see people come to know him and love him and obey him. And when that, gets, when that goes away, I get scared. Uh, I'm not in a great place when that goes away. So this week, I, I felt led to reach out to a neighbor and to invite her to the beach with me. And I was just praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with her. And the Lord graciously provided an opportunity for me to share my testimony. Um, so it, it just it's good for us to remember that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And, and why are the workers few? I, I think it's because we easily get caught up in the thorns of seeking our own self-interest. I know that I do. I pray the Lord would give us a desire to reach this lost world with the gospel. You know, we think small. We think houses and cars and vacations and family, not bad things, but there's so much more. God has placed a great purpose in front of us, a great mission. I love the quote, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So let's invest our lives in eternal things. A hundred years from now, we will be glad that we did. Mm-hmm. And in that verse, in verse 21, um, it, it's, it's actually in the present tense. It's, it's as if they're saying that they're seeking their own interests continually, mm. continually seeking their own interests all the time. Uh, all the time they're living for themselves. Um, so there's this double-mindedness, distracted by the world. And uh, what, a, what a challenge for us to be self-denying and not self-focused, uh, but to live our lives for eternity. And this has to be something that we pray for, mm-hmm. uh, something that we need the Holy Spirit to do in our, in our hearts to reorient us. We, we can't just do this by mm-hmm. our own willpower, can we, Lauren? Yeah. So let's ask the Lord to enlarge our hearts, to have a large heart, mm-hmm. um, like, like what we see in this text, a large heart for others. We go, we go on in verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I will see how it will go with me. So uh, just look at that word, proven worth, Hmm. proven worth. Uh, Timothy is tested. He has been tested. Mm -hmm. He has been put through special tests and has gained a positive result. That wording is, again, gives us that picture of of metal going through the fire and coming out pure, more pure as a result. Uh, The false metal in that fire would have dissolved but the, the true metal would have come out uh, more perfected. 
Hmm. And Timothy had been tested. He was with Paul. He was um, with Paul on the front lines of ministry for 10 years up to this point. Hmm. He was with Paul when the gospel first came to Europe. He was there when the truth first came to Philippi. He was there when the riot broke out in the book of Acts and Paul and Silas were dragged off into prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the same is true in our lives as well, that we will be tested in our lives just as Timothy was tested. We will encounter trials. I think of a verse from Deuteronomy 8.2. It says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. The purpose of hardship is to test us so that the Lord knows what is truly in our hearts. And I've experienced this in my own life. Trials come uh, when I least expect them and they expose what is truly in my heart. And it surprises even me. But the Lord lovingly allows it to purify us so that we would be humbled and confess and renounce the sin found in our hearts. He wants to purify us and to use our hardships as a training school for ministry. And if we want to be useful to the Lord, we will, we will go through the fire. I love the verse in 1 Peter that says these trials that have come, so, these trials have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may be proved genuine. So if you're going through a hard time right now, let me encourage you to cling to Christ. God will not waste your trial. He will not waste it. It might be causing you pain right now, but he will use it to change you and even to change or draw others to himself. He will work all things together for good for those who love him. This is a promise. It's one of my favorite promises. So Timothy has been tested. And also in this verse of verse 22, it says how he has uh, served. Mm. And it's actually this word of, of slaved. He's been slaving away mm. with, uh, with Paul. Uh, so uh, just, again, Timothy is this proven hard worker um, but now this is a great part in the verse here where we have this shift. It's, it's not all duty for mm. Timothy. It's not all just being a great volunteer. This is very personal. Mm. Paul says also um, that he's done this how as a son has with a father. That's right there in verse 22. So like a, like a son with a father. Mm. Uh, what a picture of companionship and loyalty and affection now, Paul talks about Timothy elsewhere like this in the New Testament. He calls him my true child in the faith, 1 Timothy 3, uh, so, no, 1 Timothy 1, 2. And then in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 2, he says, my beloved son. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 1, he calls him my son. So we see this over and over again, this family-like relationship mm-hmm. that Paul had with Timothy. Yeah, this father-son relationship. We, we remember that Paul wasn't married. He didn't have kids, but the Lord blessed him with this sweet relationship. It was so special to him that right before Paul was executed in his last letter, his wish, his final wish was to see Timothy again. In 2 Timothy 1.4, he says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And in 2 Timothy 4.9, he says, do your best, Timothy, to come to me soon. So they have this beautiful partnership, and Timothy was a beautiful encouragement to the soul in in, uh, Paul's tough ministry. He was a gift from the Lord. And then we read in verse 23, I, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I will see how it will go with me. And again, uh, we see for the second time that Paul wanted to dispatch Timothy right away, but there's a bit of a delay. Maybe it's a legal reason or a pastoral need in Rome. Again, we're not sure. 
But what we do know as we look through these verses now is that Paul treasured Timothy's companionship. Mm. And the best friends are those who serve and care for you like Christ. Mm. Uh, Maybe we should step back and just say, do we have Mm. a friend like that? Do you have a friend like that? And more importantly, are you a friend like that? Are, are you the kind of friend that means being present, caring for, praying for, speaking the truth in love um, with your fellow brother or sister in Christ in the valley of life, mm-hmm. like in the low points of life, mm-hmm. as well as on the mountaintop? But notice also in sending Timothy away to Philippi, as Paul says he hopes to do this, uh, this also shows us the selflessness of Paul because Timothy is this great treasure to mm-hmm. Paul. And he is now saying, I'm going to send my best. Mm. I'm going to send my best out Mm -hmm. for you, for the good of you. And this is something also that we can um, seek to emulate in our lives. Mm. Not thinking of our own comfort, but what's good for others. Mm. Paul is willing to send out his A squad, not the B squad. And uh, Timothy is priceless to him. So a bit of a challenge for us here. You know, are we willing to send out our best Mm. for the sake of the kingdom? But Paul has a double blessing in his life. Again, we've titled this a priceless pair. There's a second person dear to to Paul there in Rome. And this now brings us to Epaphroditus. In verse 25, Paul also says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Well, who is he? He was most likely a spiritual leader in the Philippian church that came to Rome to minister to Paul's needs and to deliver the gift of money from that church to help with Paul's expenses. And now Paul was willing to send um, him back to Philippi as well. And this would have also been costly to Mm. Paul because Epaphroditus had proven to be priceless to him. Mm. Paul describes him in verse 25, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. There's five hmm. characteristics here of Epaphroditus, mm-hmm. and they're all, you know, really distinguishing marks. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go there, let me just mention also this name Epaphroditus, which is hard to say and to spell. <laughs> um, it means charming. That's the name. That's the the meaning of the name. And and what a charming Christian he is, uh, because he is balanced. We see this again in these five marks of his character. Paul called him a brother. It speaks to his identity in Christ, but also to the family affection they have for one another. Called him a fellow worker. Um, Fellow worker. You know, Paul was probably higher in Hmm. status in the church, but he viewed him as a co-worker, an equal. And uh, and as they worked together, they became soldiers together, a fellow soldier. Ministry is a battle. They had been in battle together. And then he says their messenger... um, Epaphroditus had a special part in bringing back and forth uh, the the messages that needed to happen uh, from the church and uh, minister to my needs. It's actually actually a priestly term, um, like a priestly kind of service that Mm. Epaphroditus was having with Paul. So just, you know, those five characteristics of Epaphroditus, um, uh, maybe it should just make us think like, You know, this would have been on, you know, metaphorically speaking, this would have been on his tombstone. This is who he was. And what will be on your tombstone? Um, We want to emulate 
Epaphroditus as well. Um, we want to we want to be like him, and I, I just love his name again, right? Like, like we would if we if we follow this man, we would maybe want to name our kids Epaphroditus, but maybe because again it's such a hard name to spell, uh, we don't. So we have a lot of Timothys, but not many Epaphroditus. Okay. Anyway, things don't go as expected, though, as is often true in our lives and in ministry. Things do not go as expected for this Epaphroditus. Mm-hmm. Lauren, can you read verse twenty six? For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus becomes unexpectedly sick to the point of death. He loves God, he serves God, and yet this happens. And we might ask why. He wants to serve God. He's doing this to encourage Paul. He's selfless. Why did he get so sick? And this is hard for us to process through. And yet the word of God encourages us to consider it pure joy when we encounter trials, for it tests our faith and produces steadfastness in us. Just as when you lift weights in the gym, you're putting your muscles under great tension and pressure, you're taxing your muscles, and they respond by growing bigger and stronger and able to pull or lift heavier loads. And in our lives, hard things will happen. And Satan will seek to use them to take us away from the Lord. But the Lord wants to use these trials to grow our roots deeper in him and to produce something in our hearts that wasn't there before. Just as lifting weights makes our muscles stronger, something happens in our character and in our spirits when we respond to the weight of trials with his perspective. We are changed, we are strengthened, we are shaped into the image of Christ. And God is sovereign over all. Epaphroditus will be rewarded for the part that he played, and God graciously allowed him to be restored to health. Yeah, and we see where even Epaphroditus' focus is when he's sick. This is mm. convicting. I know for mm-hmm. you know men, you know, men we get like a man cold and the world <laughs> is over, but not so with Epaphroditus. Yeah, sickness has a way of turning us inward to focus only on ourselves or our pain, but he is not. He is concerned about the Philippians and how they must be mourning over this. His focus is outward, and this is incredible. And we need an outward focus to get through our trials as well. I once heard someone say that when their heart dwells on their own tough situation, they become weary or sick. But when their eyes are on the Lord, they can find new strength as they see his glory, his goodness, and his care for them. Oh, that our perspective would be outward when things are good and when things are hard. So Epaphroditus had this selfless mission mindset. Uh, he was able to put aside his personal plans even mm-hmm. to make that long journey back, um, you know, back and forth between Paul and, and Philippi for the sake of the gospel. He, he's encountering trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't always come, these trials, they don't always come, as you said, in the form of persecution. Mm-hmm. In his case, they came in the, uh, in the form of sickness that mm-hmm. almost led to death. Mm-hmm. And this just reminds us, right, when trials come, we have two choices. We can cling to Jesus mm-hmm. or we can grow hardened and bitter towards the Lord. I remember a friend years ago who was severely injured mm-hmm. um, sharing, you know, you can be bitter or better. Mm-hmm. And Epaphroditus gives us a great example in his time of trial. While hardships have the tendency to cause us to focus exclusively on ourselves, and I've been there. That's a, that's a hard not place not to go. Hmm. Um, but Epaphroditus shows us where to go. He's thinking about the mission of God, the people of God, the church, his brothers and sisters in Christ back home. 
And again, we want to note in this study the ordinariness of these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. They were just ordinary men mm-hmm. in the church, but had an extraordinary outlook. And we want to emulate that. And so we have a responsibility in the church to act. Um, but we want to, yeah, we want to emulate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when we have these... When we have these people in the church, hmm. we, want, we want all of us to be this way in the church. Yeah. But when we have these servants, these everyday servants in the church, um, what we also find now is that we have a responsibility on how to respond to them mm-hmm. when we see this kind of service. Mm-hmm. And so this is now taking us to verse 28 and 29. He says, I am the more eager to send him, Epaphroditus, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Now, verse 29. So, receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The big idea here is that the Philippian church was to receive Epaphroditus well. They were to, they were to honor him mm-hmm. for his service. Mm-hmm. And this is really neat, and I think a good encouragement for us. Because usually, you know, we are in such a celebrity culture. And we usually look for the famous and the talented, um, and those are the people who are most praised. The world honors the most dynamic, the most beautiful, the most gifted. Uh, and, and even in the church, we can get, you know, we can fall into that trap mm-hmm. where we're always uh, honoring the person who's up front all the time, the flashy, the dynamic. But Paul says, don't miss these people. Don't miss these guys and girls, these everyday servants who are pouring themselves out. Notice them and honor them. And so here's some application. Um, in our lives, um, do we need to be out front? Do we need to be seen and, and praised in the spotlight? Or are we willing to work behind the scenes and to serve humbly? That's a very important part in the church, mm. as we see here today. Secondly, if you are one of those kind of behind-the-scenes people, we are so thankful for you. You are very important. You are valued and needed in the church, and uh, your work is to be honored. So thank you. And uh, here's another application. If you are an upfront person, uh, let's take time, you know, take time to honor those who are humbly giving up their time and energy to serve Christ behind the scenes. So once again, we see in these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, an everyday heroism. Mm-hmm. They're doing the everyday things with great faithfulness, selflessness, and commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so often we want to do the big things, and that's not bad, but perhaps we need to have uh, an even greater willingness to do the small things with faithfulness and with joy, things unseen. You know, talking to the new person at church or the one sitting alone at lunch, letting our siblings go first, starting up a conversation at the park instead of checking our Instagram or Facebook on our iPhone. In fact, how can we use social media as a tool for the gospel instead of a time waster? How can we focus on others instead of our own self-glory? We don't have to do extraordinary things to be used by God. We can do small things with a love for others. Do the big things when God calls you to do it, but more than that, be faithful in everyday life. Guard your eyes, guard your hearts, seek to view and love others differently, self-sacrificially. Okay, so a few more notes as we wind this down. Number one, I think we see in this passage 
that there is a cost Hmm. to serving the Lord in everyday faithfulness, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Uh, The call to Christ, it might mean that you have to change some things, your Mm -hmm. schedule. Mm -hmm. I mean, these men were traveling back and forth, these long, hard journeys. Um, We might have to change our schedule. We might have to go somewhere. We might have to serve at a time and place that we're not used to. Maybe maybe it means for us we're serving at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning instead of 11 a.m. It might mean in our service that we get sick, Mm. as was the case with Epaphroditus. It may mean opening up our wallet or our home. Um, there's a cost, right? But it's, it's worth it. We need to be reminded that uh, the Lord sees these good deeds too mm. and that he will reward us for faithfulness. Mm. And, uh, and so secondly, uh, what else do we see in this text? Uh, I think we see that deep relationships form again when you are on mission for Jesus. Look at Timothy, Epaphroditus, and Paul, mm. how... Uh, so connected they were, but all because they shared in the mission of Jesus together. When we are serving together and not only sitting, um, we will have these deep relationships. You know, this last week I heard from somebody as they came back to our church service that they were just reminded that this is their family. Hmm. And it was really uh, from the heart as they said that. So that's where our deep relationships are when we're serving together uh, in the church of Jesus. You know, another thing I think we see in this text is that, again, let this be an encouragement to us, that the church has always been sustained and enriched by unsung heroes, everyday servants. Hmm. You can be ordinary yet priceless in your church and in your service of the Lord um, as you just give yourself to the work of the ministry. So these, these men are examples to us. Uh, they're examples of the gospel changing us. Mm-hmm. Let's remember, these they're just not good guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people that the gospel took root in. Mm-hmm. It, it became dear and precious to them, and it just started changing them in their attitudes, their actions, and in everyday life. So let this um, be the lesson for us today. Let's not underestimate the influence of a single ordinary person who commits to dying to themselves becoming a servant of Christ, and loving others. It is not always the extraordinary people that make the difference. It's those who are ordinary, but who commit to becoming everyday servants. Let's follow the example of this priceless pair. Let's seek to serve Christ in the big and in the small. Let's seek his interests above our own and do little things with great love. And let's respond to trials with a heart that trusts in the goodness of God and his sovereignty. Let's commit these things to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the everyday servants in our lives, the people that have um, just lived in everyday faithfulness Mm -hmm. and who have encouraged us and been an example to us that we might also live for Christ. So we pray that we would grow in having a genuine interest in the welfare of others in the same way, uh, that you would Uh, Help us not to get tangled up in the worldly pursuits, but to seek Christ's interests above our own. And we pray that you would help us to not be discouraged when trials come, because they will come, but help us to press on during hardships and cling to Christ, knowing that he is at work and that he will bring about his purposes and that it's worth it. Thank you again for the Lord, uh, Lord, for the the men and the women in our lives um, and in our churches uh, who are serving the Lord faithfully even today. We are so grateful, 
and uh, let us continue to serve you with this same kind of heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to diving into chapter three next week.